everybody, welcome to Swedenborgian Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at Apocalypse Revealed. We're going to be unveiling the book of Revelation. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be hosting our journey through it. With me, as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose, <laughs> series editor, generally important person. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hey, thanks, Chris. And, and nobody fun. I'd rather like try to wade through this mm. like really important yet like, rocky and steep terrain yeah, with than tough, you. So some tough terrain in there, sure. And of course, nobody that I'd rather do all this stuff with than all of you out there as well. If if you're feeling the love, then would you like and subscribe, please? That helps our channel out. Click the bell to get notifications. This is how this community grows, and we get to this amazing point where we can actually dive in to the meaning of the Book of yeah. Revelation, and we know people are gonna come with us on. The journey. So we're mm. continuing our series as we explain or, or understand the explanation of everything in life. Right? So here, you know this is not just looking at some little obscure corner of some right. kind of sacred text. This is something about the bigger picture and a, an important piece to fill in. But you can't just go from eating donuts a minute ago to talking about that stuff. We got to warm up our spiritual brains. How did you know about that? <laughs> we were, we split one. I'm just kidding. We would never eat a donut. Okay, let's take a look at an <laughs> icebreaker question that's going to get us in the right mindset and get you guys warmed up too, because this is a little delayed audience participation coming up. Let's see what we're dealing with. And if you haven't figured it out by now, the icebreaker is really, it's a spoiler, it's a teaser. It's, it gives you a hint of the flavor of what we're actually getting at. Because we say we're here looking at how this particular book is, but this is getting us into what this, what we're actually oh, going to get out of true, the experience. Right? So there's a hint. That's right. If you're in the chat room or if you're watching afterwards, you know, write down what you would answer this question with. Because then we can learn from you. The people live will display it at the end. The, the people who write it in, in post will write back to you and be very grateful. And everyone else who comes will see yours. So this is the question. When have you felt like you were brought through a trial that ultimately freed you from a kind of mental bondage? Mm. Let me read it again. When have you felt like you were brought through a trial? So something hard in your life that ultimately, maybe not felt like it during the time, but looking back, freed you from some kind of mental bondage. We've all got many kinds of ways in which we're ensnared and trapped in the mind, dare I say. So do you got anything uh, th that seems to fit this description? The example that pops to mind uh, uh, right now is um, uh, a few summers ago, it was like five years ago or something like that, I went through kidney stones and I'd never had that before. And that yeah. was some pretty intense I mean, at some point it got so bad, I really was tempted to take a knife and try to cut it out myself or something. Yeah. It, it was uh, unbelievable pain. And, um, and yet, I found that out of that experience came a sense of being closer to God. It was just interesting that somehow I look back and like, that was a good summer. Huh. You know, because there was something about being that, that close to, I, I, I don't know what. Yeah, but the things were sort of extreme and and intense and and um, and so it did break down the the part of the mental bondage that it freed me from is uh, a sense that that God is absent or doesn't care or, or things like that. Yeah, you know, I could feel the, the presence in that situation that was helping and sustaining, yeah. and so it kind of. Oh, I, I felt lighter. I felt better after going through that experience, even though I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But 
It's the positive side effects. We go through life concerned about the side of the facts of the environment that we're in, the things that we're eating, the things we have to take. But you never think about the positive side effects. You, yeah. Somebody might be dreading kidney stones. This is their worst yeah. nightmare if this were to occur. But you're saying what you don't think about is that there are these lasting positive side effects that come out of it. And that's it's really true. Lasting is true. That's right. That's the promise of divine providence. Swedenborg says everything bad that happens some kind of good is coming out of it. So for me, I would say, oh, we, you know, sometimes we tell sort of this origin story for me uh, that I had this depression, right, when I, when I was younger. And it was and through not that, just for an afternoon or something. No, for years and years. And, and I would say part of the shades of complexity is it's still very much going on in its own way. But um, that from that, I got an interest in Swedenborg and all that. I mean, that, that was just sort mm. of a step back macro level obvious uh, this drove me into spirituality because I had to get something you know I had to find a way to survive and really yeah. if I look at the specifics of what it was in there a lot of that that experience was and is this sense of not being able to control the mind not being able to stop the, the narrative that it's in not being able to win these arguments with my own mind and just getting scrubbed around and realizing my own powerlessness, even within a space that I thought I owned. Right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. that, that yeah. has done all kinds of good things for me because it, it has primed me to accept the more delicate concepts in, in the Swedenborg's writings about, uh -huh. uh, about good coming from God rather than from the mm. self, about trusting in divine providence rather than my own prudence. Because I got to go with the prudence until and I just saw where it led me. Okay, so I got a little metaphor here. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, well even, even the, the origin of your thoughts and feelings, which I think is sort of a specialty of yours, yeah. you know, like I can see how that would, oh, you know, you learn something great out of that experience of powerlessness yes. over this. Swedenborg comes in and says this weird stuff about how heaven and hell are, hell is attacking you in the mind. Had I not had such an obnoxious mind, I never would have believed that. But, but now that I've had to go through what I was going through, oh yeah, you're, you know what, you're right. That is how it is. So my story is that there, uh, I was supposed to dump out some, like, you know, there's some grease, the cooking grease, so oh, that it wouldn't go yeah, down like the drain. Oh, yeah, you fry something, yeah. or you've got all this grease left over. Yeah, so, so I dumped it out in a bush in, in our yard, and I knew the dog was going to be interested in it, but I didn't realize how quickly <laughs> he was going to find it and how fully he was going to immerse himself in it. So just today, he's going in there, and, you know, when we let him out into the backyard, he'll go in there, and he's trying to lick it all. He comes back in, he's got it, like, on his head, and it freaks him out a little bit. He's rubbing his head on stuff, trying to get it off. Oh, I, no. I, like, wipe it off of him. Uh, oh. But as soon as he goes back out, he does it again because he just can't resist <laughs> diving into that bush. Having the been, same thing that got him to yes. do it the first time is yeah. operative still, and so he'll do it again. I feel like I often see those bushes in my mind, like mm. oh, go, do, do, you know, think down this line, entertain these thoughts, and I because of the uh, because of being burned by that stuff before, I can know like nope, I'm not going to dig into that. Maybe that's a first step toward the burning bush. I don't I, know. I don't know. Either way, I'm not saying he is not spiritually evolved. He more so than I, but. It just was, he was teaching me there. So, okay. So that's great. I love that because I do feel like there's issues where I just, I know it's going to hurt and I'm not going <laughs> to, it's not going to have a good outcome. No. But I can't resist. I have to go back in there. There was this pride of intelligence before that if it's in my own mind, of course I'll do fine in there. And if I'm in control here and anything that should be, could be thought about, should be thought about. But just to realize that, no, no. that is good. That is Someone's such. <laughs> 
not in my self-interest. Wipe that off your head at some point. It's not like now you're like, well, if you want my credit card, of course I can give you my credit card. No, we know we got to protect our our space. So what do you guys think? Write it down in the chat and we'll display mm. it all at the end. Okay, do you feel warm? Yes. That all was, right, that so was now good. let's dive in from an interesting segue here from the world of personal experience and lesson learning to this strange book of Revelation. What's the tie-in? Let's get into it now. As I said, we're continuing our series through the nature of everything, and we're doing it in the format that Swedenborg gave it to us. Yeah. So this includes getting to know how these concepts were delivered and a little bit of why, and also an organizing principle. If you're going to try to get everything in the spiritual life together, what's the best way to organize it? Well, let's take a look at how he did it and use that as a jumping off point. Yeah. Um, so... This is an especially complex, nuanced one, and I'd love to just hear from you. Let's start at the beginning. What are we talking about today? Okay, we're talking about books that have been traditionally known as Apocalypse Explained and Apocalypse Revealed. Now, that sounds like synonyms, explained and revealed. Yeah. I mean, for years I used to get confused, but I don't even know which one's which. This is not a you know, retranslation of the same book. No, it isn't. There are two treatments, of, and what apocalypse means, I know people think it means the end of the world or something. Uh, that's a technical term for the book of Revelation. So mm -hmm. it's an explanation of the book of Revelation that In comes the at the end of the Bible, yeah. which has got to be some of the most bizarre literature that was ever written, you know, yeah. and needs much explaining. And so Swedenborg wrote one book about it that actually comes out in six volumes, Apocalypse Explained, and then quit in the middle of Revelation 19, verse 10, when he was about three quarters of the way through, just stopped mysteriously. And it's on his desk, pushed it off. Seven years later, he starts again at chapter one, verse one, and he goes all the way through, and on, this time it's only two volumes long in English. And that's what we're talking about tonight. So, but both of them cover similar things, yes, right? Let's, so we can probably lump them together enough to say, to play the game that we like to call, what's the headline? Okay, okay. We, we told you a little bit about what an apocalypse is, but what is really happening in these? How is this a useful part of existence to describe? Right. Well, one headline that comes to mind is, and I can explain this maybe a little bit, but... Uh, Yes, the book of Revelation has an inner meaning, but it's not what you think. Because the book of Revelation, we, we do a couple of things with it here. First of all, the book of Revelation is in, incredibly a bizarre man's bizarre book. This yes. is, we've got uh, dragons <laughs> trying to eat a woman clothed with the sun when the baby is coming, and then you have horses with scales. You have, that have eyes on the inside of their body, and uh, yeah. Yes. So right. locusts that have, you know, lion's teeth yeah. and women's hair or something bizarre. Oh, yeah, they do. And we've done shows about those things. Yeah, we could go on. Right. But how is that? This, you're telling me that this is God has a message for you. Blah, all of this weird stuff. How is that revel relevant to us? That's one side of it. But then also... Right. We're telling you what's not in the book of Revelation because it seems like everybody's made predictions about doomsday and this, this dragon is a symbol of some world leader, right? It, it, it strikes me that a lot of things in the Bible, even the creation story, the miracles or whatever, people could think, well, that literally happened. But interestingly, I don't think anybody just thinks, 
oh, the book of Le Revelation is absolutely literal. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's various different theories about, oh, I think it means Nero. No, I think it means somebody who lives, uh, you know, yeah. it's something that already happened or it's something that's going to happen or it's metaphorical in some way. But uh, you've got to do something with it because yeah. you can't just... It, it, it's, it's too bizarre to take it face value. And we're going to get into what the, the, his actual explanation for it is both broad, like magnificent and, and grand, but also immediate oh, and practical right, right. In, in our individual lives. That the meaning of the book of Revelation is not relevant to a particular time period. It's relevant to everyone, everywhere, all the time. Let's take a look at what's in these books. Yeah. If you were to crack them open, what would we find? And we're just going to go with AR because its table of contents is slightly more interesting. As that's Often kind. abbreviated AR. Yeah, oh, right, right. That's like if you're cool and you're talking about it, you say, hey, oh, I was reading AR the other day. AR. So th check out, the, we, we're doing this because we always do the table of contents, but these are not as populated. Look, we've just got Revelation 1, 2, 3, 4, but you see the author's preface. Those are chapters in the book of Revelation. Yeah. That, that they're not... He's giving you two or three or four different revelations. No. no, it's just the book of Revelation, chapter one. I'll explain chapter one. Here's, I'll oh, yeah. explain chapter two. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be gutsy if it was the other one. Like, look at all these revelations. But it's I interesting have. what he's got before that. So the author's preface, where he talks about a summary. Yeah, you don't always have an author's preface with Swedenborg. Occasionally. He decided, I need to preface this book, and this is what I need to put in it. A summary of the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church and religion. And then a summary of the doctrines of the church and religion of the Reformed. By which he means Protestants, generally speaking. And so you have both Catholicism and Protestantism. And basically what he's doing there is kind of a set them up, knock them down kind of thing. Yeah. That's the right way to say it. In other words, he's saying, here's what Catholicism teaches in a brief kind of summary. Here's what, which is very bold just even to do that. I wouldn't yeah. dare do that. And then uh, here's what Protestantism teaches. And then I'm going to say a third thing which is neither the above, but I want to just work off that platform kind of thing. So, so it kind of gives you a flavor of where we're going with this. Yeah, so let's take a look at, he's you know, making these bold warlike claims and, and taking on this huge task. Why would it be worth it and when does it come in the timeline? Let's play mm. why and when. So where, where do we get this stuff? And where does it, and why, why do you think it, he got, was driven to do yeah. it? Yeah, well they, they come at two different times. And Apocalypse Explained, it's also sometimes called Revelation Explained, because yep. it's the book of Revelation, is there in 1758, 1759. Right after Heaven see. and Hell. Yeah, that's right. Right after Heaven and Hell, he digs into this. But then he works on it for quite a while, and then, as I say, kind of mysteriously stops at some point. And then seven years later, in 1766, Pardon my reach. that's right, he's got Apocalypse Revealed, AR, as you put it, mm -hmm. and. Um, and that does get published. Uh, so there's quite a gap in between there. Yeah. Like he, the, the car broke down and he didn't kind of jumpstart it for a number of years to get, to get going again. These two books, interesting in that they're the only real sort of companions to Secrets of Heaven. And the Secrets of Heaven was going That's through right. Genesis. Good point. Everything else is these essays and hodgepodges. This is right. back to exegesis. We're moving through. Going through the Bible, <laughs> verse by verse. That's right. Just to, going, going back to that. So... Let's look at why, we're talking about what, but let's look at why, you know, what, what can this do for any of us right now? So the first quotes we'll read from it 
we'll do from the very beginning and very okay. end because this is hey, our this segment is first and last. All right. Get a sense of, and we're just doing again AR Apocalypse Revealed here. They're both good. Actually, I think Apocalypse Explained has, and we'll, we'll quote from both of these in our next section, but it has sort of more interesting tangents, I, often a more uh, expansive and fascinating explanation, but for now, let's do People the People who are thing. digging into the Bible really love Apocalypse Explained because he goes way down. He'll say, well, here's this verse. I'll yeah. explain it in terms of these other 8 or 10 or 15 verses, and I'll explain all of them in great detail yeah. and bring other stuff in. And so it's great. And Apocalypse Revealed is more sort of cut and terse. And yes. here it is. Blah, blah, blah. These are the main passages, and then right. move on. So this show would be Apocalypse Explained. Because yes. we're just... <laughs> yes, sir. No offense to us. Yes, right. Okay, so let's, how That's does right. he start it off? Well, that author's preface that we were talking about a little bit ago yeah. has an interesting introductory paragraph. It's a bit, a bit long, but let me read this to you because I think it really sets it up well. And okay. it's interesting that he bothers to kind yeah. of tell you right at the outset. Right. Here's what well, we're doing. I got time. So okay, good. Nothing but time. There are many who have sweated to explain the book of Revelation, but as the spiritual meaning of the word has not been known until now, they couldn't see the mysteries that lie concealed in it, for the spiritual meaning alone discloses these. On this account, expositors, you know, the people who are trying to explain it, okay. have conjectured various things, and most of them have applied the things that are in it to the states of empires, intermingling also some things about ecclesiastical affairs. Mm -hmm. So they explain it in terms of, oh, this earthly organization, yeah. or this emperor, and this empire, and the sweep of history. Well, throughout history, oh, it, was just, it was talking about World War II, and we, this uh, was Yeah, this. yeah, or it was Nero, yeah. and Domitian, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, right, it was just Roman emperors, and... But, here's the but, right? Okay. Swedenborg loves that word. But, the book of Revelation, like the whole word, in its spiritual meaning, does not in the least treat of worldly things. Right. Whoa, now wait a second, that's pretty bold to say there's nothing in there about worldly things. Yeah. Like forget about it, it's not about any empire. You know, it's not about yeah. that. But of heavenly things, therefore not of empires and kingdoms, but of heaven and the church. And the church, not meaning the worldly organization, yeah. but the real connection between heaven and this world. All right, so that's where we start. How's that? How's no, that? it's, it's yeah. a very bold opening. And the, the closing couldn't be more, more far removed. It could be, but it's, we're pretty out there. We've gone from an author's preface to heaven. He's describing a council of former human beings that are now living in the afterlife who were in the clergy of various kinds. Interesting. I didn't know clergy went to heaven. <laughs> uh, boom. And <laughs> this is right at the end of this long uh, account where a decision's been made by this council, and they give it, and we're going to see the angels' reaction to it. And this is like one of those old-time councils where you get together and discuss. Yeah theology, right? Yeah. Like, like, like the people did in this world. Yeah, I okay. can't believe there's not a market for those anymore. <laughs> At length, this decision was made that from the deliberations in this council, we have clearly seen and thence acknowledged as the holy truth that in our Lord Jesus Christ, mm. there is a divine trinity, which is the divine from which that is called the Father, the divine human, which is the Son, and the preceding divine, which is the Holy Spirit. 
Thus, all within Jesus, so Trinity inside Jesus. Okay. Thus, there is one God in the church. Mm. After these things were concluded in that magnificent council, they rose up, and the angel keeper of the wardrobe came, and this is like the guy in charge of clothes, came and brought to each of those who sat upon the seats splendid garments interwoven here and there with threads of gold, and said, Receive these wedding garments. Wedding garments? And they were conducted in glory into the new Christian heaven. This is a new heaven uh, that we've talked about in many shows. Yeah, right. Which, with which the Lord's church on earth, which is the new Jerusalem, or new church that we talked about ad nauseum, will be conjoined. So that's sort of the A team in the spiritual world, yeah. and then anything on earth is going to be the B team that works with it kind of thing. So, right? and after he gives this grand prophecy about the future state of the human race, he ends the book quoting Revelation 22, 21, where he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I, I happen to know that that is the only verse in the whole book that he doesn't explain. He just tosses it in the end. Dunk. So it's kind of sweet. Yeah. What, what did you say? It, it's oh, like it's a, a mic drop at the yeah, end. He's yeah, like, right? look, this, say, is, this is the oh. truth of, of the faith that we've been missing. This is mm. how the future is going to go. You figure out what this last thing says, or you know what this says already. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I'm out of here. And the, something that struck me about that story is that it was almost like uh, there were various councils in the past. Yeah. Council of Nicaea, Council yeah. on whatever. And it was like we're rewriting, we're redoing, it's a do-over yeah. of these councils in the spiritual world. And this time coming out, not with three persons in the Godhead, but having a unity in, yeah. in God. So, so that, that's where he lands in heaven. Very interesting. And you might say, okay, this is all very nice. Where's the spiritual food? Well, you're in luck because next section's all about food. Hmm. So what kind of things could you be getting out of an explanation of the book of Revelation? What we're going to show you here in these three is that no matter where you're going to Swedenborg, you're going to get information about everything else in life. And we'll give you three different excerpts from places where he goes explaining parts of the text and gives us this valuable information that you can use to think about stuff right mm -hmm. now. This is from Apocalypse Revealed 294. <clears throat> He's talking here about an honest afterlife that we're all headed towards. Oh, I hope not. Here I may add the following account. In this earthly world, we have two kinds of speech because we have two kinds of thought, outer and inner. That is, we can speak from our inner thought at the same and at the same time from our outer thought. And we can speak from our outer thought, but not from our inner, even contrary to it. Mm. Are you saying what you're really thinking? Yeah, okay. right. This is why we can practice pretense, flattery, and hypocrisy. In the spiritual world, though, we do not have two kinds of speech. Rather, we have just one. Whoa. There, we say what we think. Hmm, people, that's going to be interesting. People say, why, you know, why do we have to live in this world? The reason, one of the reasons Swedenborg gives is we're not ready to go somewhere where we say what we think. An honest world. We need some right. time to get ourselves... A spiritual privacy to, <laughs> to work that stuff To work out. out, to really you know, figure out what we do want to think. Hmm. If we do not... There we say what we think. If we do not, then our voice... So you can say something yeah. different, yes. but... If we do not, then our voice is harsh and grates on the ear. 
Whoa, that's wild. <laughs> In this world, we're constantly, aren't there whole shows and yeah. movies about people who can tell when people are lying or yeah. stuff like that, you know. Well, in the other world, ev anybody can tell. It's like, a, does this make me look fat? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're lying. Still, we can keep silent. Just, okay, well, if, thank it, heavens for yeah. that. At least you got the silence. There is an out here. We can keep silent, and in this way, we can avoid making the thoughts of our minds public. Although, if, we're, if everyone's talking and you're just... We know there's a reason. They know there's something going on. So, but, yeah. but still, it's interesting that, yeah, you're not forced, right? There, there is an out, but it's, you're, you're, you're no longer really able to survive in that atmosphere. Mm. This is why when hypocrites find themselves in, themselves in the company of the wise, they either leave or slip away into some corner of the room, make themselves inconspicuous, and sit in silence. I was just seeing this skit, wow. skit video about a shirt that you can tuck your head into like a turtle when you're in an awkward social situation. And maybe it's something like that. But look at us. We're both here. We haven't slunk away from each other. So either we're both hypocrites or we're both wise. It can't, no, physical world doesn't work like that. Doesn't work exactly the okay. same way. But that's really something to think about, yeah. that honest yeah. afterlife, isn't it? Well, and something Very to- Very interesting, rules are different there. Yeah, and it definitely is a compass point for me. If I'm kind of being lazy about spiritual development to realize that I am what I, I'm lazy about spiritual development, meaning I'm thinking in a way that I know is not really that great. Yeah, right. I'm dwelling on things I don't need to. I'm being sloppy. Mm -hmm. To think that, that that actually, cleaning that up, really has a tangible um, purpose to it. That we're headed, yeah, they're headed towards a place where your thought habits and I, are, are going to be apparent and matter. Not to say that you can always control your thoughts, but you can mm -hmm. control how you react to your thoughts. It's like their spiritual CCTV all the time, right. you know, kind right. of thing. And they, they've got the tape, you know. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so sort that's... Sort of a denial buster. And is that anything you'd think would be in the book of Revelation? Okay, let's, let's go on to the next Interesting. thing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Swedenborg also talks. We're going to switch over to Apocalypse Explained now. And he talks about some of the process that we go through. Again, where did he get this out of the book of Revelation? The process we go through in order to be prepared for heaven. Because it's possible for us to go to heaven, right. and how does that work? So here's the quote that we've got from 474. Only those, okay, this is about temptations. Okay. Okay, those are trials or spiritual crises. Yep. Only those undergo temptations there, this is in the afterlife, who have lived a good life in the world according to their religion. So, okay. you, you know, you weren't like a raging criminal or something like that but wherein were falsities of doctrine in which they believed. So you had a good life, but some of the thinking and the things you've been taught were not accurate. And so that's a situation that needs to be resolved. For by temptations, falsities are shaken off. Wait a minute. Does this tie in with that ice melter? Yeah, exactly it does. So this is, this is showing the process that we were describing in our lives happens even more tangibly okay. in the spiritual world. Yeah, all right. So for by temptations, falsities are shaken off, truths are implanted, Yeah. sweet, okay, and thus they, the people, are prepared for heaven. For all those who shall come into heaven must be in truths, and truths really means, you're, in truths means devoted to them. It means okay. uh, you sort of live and walk and breathe in, in them, you know, that, that's yeah. really your environment. Well, isn't that, that explanation or that description of people saying what they think, isn't that just the truth shining through? Yes, that, that that's right. Where we're headed is mm. where the truth 
uh, you know, takes first place. So get to love the truth. I hadn't thought inspired. about that. And these difficult experiences get you to that point right. where, where you're more in touch with that truth. Wherefore, so long as they are in falsities, meaning they're devoted to these, this kind of structure of, of false thought in their head, they cannot come into heaven. Doesn't mean you won't get there eventually. Yeah. But it's just as long as that situation obtains, by definition, you're not in heaven yet because heaven's all about yeah. truth. The reason why they're let into temptations in the spiritual world after the life in the body is that they could not be tempted in the world. Oh, it has to happen somewhere. Yeah. Why couldn't they be tempted in the world? Oh, it was because on account of the falsities of religion in which they were and which were everywhere dominant. So if you got certain ideas in the religious tradition that you grew up with, they're not actually accurate or don't work in heaven or something like that. Well, there's no point in putting you through some big, you know, yeah. spiritual crisis in, in this world because you don't have the equipment yet in terms of truth. But when you get to the other side, that can get fixed so it's nice, right? I mean, that's pretty cool when you think about it. It's merciful that no matter what system you grew up with, if you're, if you're wrong, there's a correction that can happen after death, you know? And it may be painful, but it's great, and you get eternal life afterwards, so it works out okay. Not too bad of a trade-off. And I wonder if seeing the impact of that on people in the afterlife of these false ideas is part of what's driving Swedenborg to correct them through A, oh, E, and come A, back R. and tell us here, yeah. hey, everybody. This is Honest what's up. world. And up then ahead. we're going to end with a, another AE Apocalypse Explained quote. And this is talking about the distinction between the spiritual and the celestial. Which oh, is, that? Yeah. yeah. He's often okay. talking about that. Because, because it's at the root of everything. So this is uh, 1042. Before proving from the word that purple and scarlet signify goods and truths from a celestial origin, something shall be said about such goods and truths. So there he's explaining a phrase from the Bible, but he stops to go on a tangent, and this is where we find ourselves. Not and a the tangent. the Bible sort of fixates on these, yeah. like you get them all the way back in the tabernacle, these yep. purple, scarlet threads and all I said tangent, but it's not tangent. It's, an it's, it's very on topic. It's an yeah. explanation of That's just right. why these colors mean what they do. The divine good that proceeds from the Lord is united with his divine truth, as the heat of the sun with its light is in the time of spring. Mm. But the angels who are recipients of the divine good and divine truth proceeding from the Lord are distinguished into celestial and spiritual. Okay. Celestial being better, right? Of ah, the two. man. They're both great. They're just complimentary. Celestial, celestial yeah. he does say, is right. a little higher, a little <laughs> deeper. Those who receive the divine good more than the divine truth of the Lord are called celestial angels. So it's coming out absolutely evenly, but some people just pick it up on a bit yeah. of a tilt this way. More, more heat or more light? Because these con constitute the kingdom of the Lord, which is called the celestial kingdom. Mm. But the angels who receive the Lord's divine truth more than his divine good are called spiritual angels, because of these consist the Lord's spiritual kingdom. It is therefore evident that goods and truths are of a twofold origin, from a celestial origin and a spiritual origin. So mm. interesting, they says there's two different ways to receive these. And I think because they receive them in those two different ways, we can then, down the chain, get them in these two different yeah, ways. interesting. Okay, two different flavors. Those goods and truths that are from a celestial origin are the goods and truths of love to the Lord. Ah, uh, that's what it's all about. Okay. Love of good. Whereas those goods and truths that are from a spiritual origin are the goods and truths of the love towards the neighbor or okay. love of the truth. Mm. The difference is like that between what is higher and what is lower okay. or between what is interior and what is exterior. Consequently, 
as between those things that are in a higher or interior degree and those that are in a lower or exterior. There you go, just as a sorting out and our so terms. And so they work together hand in glove. It's not yeah. like, well, this is just better. It's just like, well, you have a hand, you have a glove. They're working together. You yeah. Know. Like Without the hand, the glove doesn't do a lot. Without the glove, the hand freezes and becomes useless. This, well put. This is the is that in Swedenborg's work? Yes, that's, that's AE1941759. Isn't interesting that we're in the explanation of the book of Revelation, and yet that thing about the spiritual and celestial is describing a, a long-term, if not eternal, condition in heaven, but also in the, describing a condition in the way we receive goodness and truth from God all, all the time. This is stuff that's, that's part of the basic mechanics of life. Yeah, and somehow it. every time he dips into the Bible, he, you know, I, like a lot of people, you go in there, you just get confused or something. Yeah. But somehow the Lord blesses him to be able to draw out this great, great stuff that's real nourishment. On the subject of great stuff, let's, let's just ask to end, how can this help? So we've got these things they're a little difficult to find a path mm. into, but what, why are we, right now, your team is hard at work translating Apocalypse Revealed. It, it, the last translation came out quite some time ago. That's right. Why are you guys, and you're going to be calling it Revelation Unveiled. That's you're right. You're going to be watching for that. Why are you doing that? What's it going to do for the human race? Yeah. Uh, Swedenborg had a ver very deep concern about the Bible and particularly he saw the book of Revelation as particularly vulnerable because it's so weird and so yeah, wacky yeah. that if people are just going to lop it off, I'm told that even Martin Luther at the time of the, the Protestant Reformation, he kind of wanted to get rid of that. He pushed it all the way to the back of the book and just kind of wanted, can we get rid of that yeah. one? And um, so in order to salvage it, you got to understand what it's, what it's talking about. So it was kind of a rescue operation. And because it's so much about what we go through inwardly, and in a certain way, even literally, Book of Revelation is like a microcosm of everything in the Bible. Almost yeah. all the imagery in the Bible comes back in the Book of Revelation yeah. and everything. And so uh, it's a lot of spiritual wisdom. He even says that that image in the Book of Revelation is suddenly, I'm suddenly remembering, of the, there's a river in the holy city at the end of the book. Yeah. He says that that river is the book of Revelation, understood. Oh, like the yeah. river that feeds everybody, keeps the whole thing going, is the book of... So that's why we do it. Just so we don't all die of spiritual thirst. There is no shortage of spiritual application. We d we've done a series of deep dives into the book of Revelation. We did one that's about the uh, book of Revelation, uh, Souls Under the Altar. Mm -hmm. We did The Four Strangers Creatures in Revelation. And the four horsemen. The f yeah, I think we did the four horsemen. We've yeah, done a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, and right. each one of those, we're going deep into how to navigate being a human being. So check out that series as well if you want to know a little more. And they, of course, we're pulling heavily from these books in that. We've pulled, uh, we did a, a video about the, the commandment not to covet and how this is actually talking about not controlling the minds of others, you know, through, mm. through uh, you know, Im immoral means. And that explanation came out of Apocalypse Explained. So there is plenty of cool stuff in there. I think a definitely a worthy addition to your spiritual buffet. Your, your library, yes. So have we, com have we confused you? Do you have any thoughts or anything like that? We're going to do our question and answer segment where we get to hear from you right now. Two things happening right now. Please get your questions in. 
for us to answer right now. And then get your elevator pitch in. What's a, what's a single topic in Swedenborg you'd like to see us scramble to explain well in a minute? <laughs> get those in, and we'll be doing that in the next Literally section. Literally 60 seconds. So for now, let's see what, you were, what you're wondering uh, tonight. <clears throat> Gordon Brown asks, There is such a profusion of scriptures that emphasize judgment. How is it that Swedenborg could state we are not punished in the hereafter for infractions committed while in mortality? Swedenborg mm. does make the statement that nobody's punished for what they did here. But does that mean you're just, what about all that stuff about punishment in the Bible? And also, is it just, okay, clean slate, and yeah, you ruined everybody's life, but doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Well, just on that final point, uh, Swedenborg says an interesting thing that, you're, as the, the um, person says, uh, you're not judged for things that you do in this world, but because you're creating habits, you tend to do those same things in the other world, and that, that causes the trouble. Yeah. And so uh, it's very important to clean up our act while we're here, as we were just saying. But also the... Um, it's even in the Bible you get sort of a double view because you got all this language and scary stuff about judgment and everything, and then doesn't Jesus say at one point, "I judge no one"? Doesn't he say that? He says yeah. it straight up at some point, "I judge no one," and then he says, "The word that I have spoken will judge them." And that so so what's going on, you know? Yeah. And then when you see in Matthew 25 the story of the goats and the sheep, where's this big judgment going on? It's just about whether you treated other people well or not. It's kind of cool story in a way because it's not like, I don't like you. I like you. You're just the type of person I don't <laughs> like. You know, that's not what's going on. It's all based on how people live their lives and what was in their hearts uh, that that judgment is going on. So even in the literal sense of the Bible, you catch sort of glimpses that undermine that sense of just the Thor with the hammer <laughs> coming down kind of judgment. Yeah, there is um, a dimension of the Bible which is describing spiritual reality. Swedenborg mm. alludes to that some of these passages on judgment are referring to how spiritually evil carries with it its own punishment. Its own, yes, its own judgment, that's right. If you think about the world, we the honest world we just described, where we have much less impulse control, where you say what you think, rather than filter and, and um, calculate how I can appear to be one thing when I'm really not. It's that, but much more with urges to do things. So if you're in this life acting on those urges and doing something evil and you're not sorry for it and you enjoy it and you do it again, in the spiritual world, you're not going to be able to control, you, control that because we're so much more impulsive in the spirit. So that is the, the groundwork for why Swedenborg says that, yes, you don't have a rap sheet that you come in with and, and thereby are uh, you know, judged, but you can't stop doing the things you did because that's part of who, it's become part of who you are. Now, the funny thing is he also does describe at times people who had murdered other people it being exposed that they had murdered There's the person. There's almost kind of a trial or something. And yeah. yeah. So the, it, it's right. not as cut and dry as he'll say something. We had earlier in this show, he said, uh, I mean, what, what was it? It was in the first quote where he's talking about uh, people never can see something, but when they do see it, ah, I forget, it was in the first one. He does that a lot. So just because he says you're never judged doesn't mean that you couldn't um, 
if you have stuff you've done you, that could never be brought up or there couldn't be some kind of yeah re res I th I uh, resolve. certainly is, and you certainly see that in the near-death experience, don't you, of kind of a life review and right. that sort of thing. Um, uh, another thought I have is that in the book of Revelation, you have this image of this book that's sealed up with seven seals yeah. and nobody can open it. And uh, John is weeping. The guy who's writing the story is weeping because nobody can open yeah. the book. And then the lamb is able to open the book. And I love the way Swedenborg explains that, that only the Lord really, really knows the human heart. I mean, I don't know myself. I, sure. you know, I don't know. We're a mystery even to ourselves and right. certainly to each other. Uh, but the Lord can see, oh, well, no, that trait is because of this. And there's that childhood wound. And yeah. then this was a reaction to that. And this is heredity. And this, you know, and, and I love that idea that the Lord is able to see all those things. So it's truth. I think when he says the word that I've spoken, you know, it's, it's just the truth. That's, and so I thought about those people who sit in the corner and silent. Yeah. Did anybody say, go in the corner? No. no, they self-selected, like, my thoughts are not going to play well in this room right Yeah, now. right. <laughs> you know, right. I think I'm going to go sit by myself. Great, great question. Glad to get the thing on it for a second. Let's take a look at the next one. Crystal Light 7 asks, in the earlier video a few years back, Curtis gave, Curtis gave examples of why we weren't in the end times. Ooh. Does he believe we are now? And mm. does it matter what Curtis believes? Because <laughs> what's his track record on knowing what's going on? Um, do you? What do you think? What do you think Curtis believes? I, I, I I'm not sure. Curtis is a mystery to me. <laughs> I haven't opened all the seals. But the um, uh, Swedenborg believed that uh, there were end times that he got to witness in the spiritual world. Yeah. And that that's really the cataclysm that so much scripture and other sort of um, predictions talk about. Uh, it's really a spiritual event. It's going to have an impact on this world. And so he saw himself as b being a witness to these, these times. Uh, so yes, there's a big upheaval going on. I do think it's going on in our world. You know, yeah. uh, just... Uh, the relationship to truth, all, all kinds of things seem to be shifting. And yeah. there's a lot of upheaval that I imagine has something to do with all of that. But it's not going to be the death and destruction. And uh, I'm not seeing people will stop killing each other or something yeah. like that. But I just mean the total vaporization of the planet is, is not what he saw happening. You yeah. know, we're not in that kind of end times. It depends on how you view the end times. Yeah, so there, there was this, if we're talking about the historical example that Swedenborg gives, there was this seismic shift in the spiritual world, and we talk about seismic activity as a metaphor, but really, isn't it that something happens deep in the earth, and then the crust and everything is reacting after that? Good point. So it could well be that we, in this explosion of human uh, freedom and, and thought, and that the world is coming up with these things that hadn't come up with mm. anything. You look at the, the pace of technology advancing, huh. the pace of uh, things like human rights and that, that just weren't occurring to the human race for these thousands and thousands of years. It could be that that's an aftershock, but I don't think, the, yeah, I don't think the world is ending. I don't think it's in a more precarious position than it's been in before. However, as a cop-out sort of answer, I will say that, yeah, we're in end times because I think everybody goes through little end times cycles. Just like the, the yes. big 
the, the churches go through these big cycles. The end times, Swedenborg was talking about, was the end of the previous church. But in us, we constantly have these previous ways of living and thinking that get shaken by these experiences like we were talking about in the beginning. And then there is an end times. We question what we know about life. We have to give up things that we had been holding because we see the damage they cause. You emerge a little bit new. I, I think that that cycle is always happening. And in a way, uh, what I think the, the book of Revelation is talking about psychologically is that it feels that dramatic, like angels throwing blood yeah. and everything turns or whatever, oh, you know. Like they don't actually throw blood, but they throw things down and then all the rivers turn to blood and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, it, it feels that dramatic yeah. when, you're, when you're going through it inwardly. If, I, I always say, if you throw something that turns something into blood, you might as well be throwing blood, you know. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, that, so there, there's a couple of thoughts on that. Appreciate the question. Here's the next one. We'll do one more. Infamous EJ asks, does Swedenborg talk about how the Catholic Church is connected to Babylon in the book of Revelation? Okay, so. He does. Let's, let's get offensive here. All right, let's, let's Well, hey, offensive. we didn't make this stuff up, and he's only That's talking right. about the Catholic Church of his Don't day. Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, no, but, but right. Swedenborg certainly uses Babylon as a shorthand at times. He does. And he connects it, and other people do, because you have the great whore of Babylon who's sitting on these seven hills or yeah. mountains or whatever, and so people say, oh, that's Rome, and sure. this must be the church and everything. Uh, Swedenborg's very clear that he's not talking about mom and pop Catholic or something. He's talking about a leadership structure yeah. that uh, takes advantages of people for worldly or selfish or financial reasons or whatever. That's yeah. what the Babylon is. Even, so the, even the teachings themselves uh, at times. Uh, right, right. Uh, the way Swedenborg defines Babylon is that Babylon, gosh, Babylon's a big subject in yeah. Scripture. Yes, and let me just say, Babylon, yeah. you were just about to explain this, but I just hit me of like how important yeah. this point is. Babylon is not, does not have to be tied specifically to the Catholic Church in Swedenborg's day. No. Babylon is, go ahead, you can say it. All right. It is, in my view, the uh, use of religion, of spirituality, of religious things, in order to dominate over people. So that, that is Babylon. Using religion and the sway it has over people's minds to dominate over them, to control their lives. It's like a virus you can be infected with. And he was accusing the Catholic Church in his day of being infected with it. That's right. And he also said that the reason Babylon is in the Old Testament, before there ever was a Catholic Church, yes. is that there were, there were religious organizations back then who did the same thing. It's a pretty basic yeah. thing to do. That Hey, here's this religion thing. You seem really moved. You're weeping. Yeah. You know, or maybe I can take advantage of you you know, because of your devotion or, I, you know, there's some way I can harness that for uh, my own good or something. I watched a, a show recently about, you know, some very prominent televangelists who were completely scamming people and there may well be Babylon in that. Your, your local right. uh, preacher could have some Babylon, and, but the, <clears throat> the deputy preacher doesn't have it. Yep. You, you, we can dip yep. into Babylon. the good souls yeah. who shuffle into church on Sunday or whatever, that, you yeah. know, don't... don't even, uh, even in a, in a more personal level, even if we don't go around teaching religious things, although you and I are kind of teaching religious type stuff here, uh -oh. so be careful. But, uh -oh. but just I would think whenever we're trying to use what people believe is higher to kind of manipulate them, yeah. that that would be their own little kernel of Babylon. So Babylon, anything that, that's in the spiritual meaning of the world has to have a universal, timeless application. So Babylon... While you yes. can say it, you, you can say, I think it's showing up here, I think it's showing up there. What it really is, 
is this virus of using this most vulnerable and important place in people in order to not to connect them to God, but to get what you want, which is very much not cool. And I think it's worth saying that even though Swedenborg grew up in a Lutheran tradition, he came to love the uh, Catholic emphasis on treating people well, yeah. doing good works, caring for the poor, all that kind of stuff. And he actually says in some of his books that he thinks Catholics are going to have an easier time accepting his teachings yeah. than Protestants will. And, and at the time, there was... And he took a lot of heat for saying that. Major clash between Catholics and Protestants. Exactly. And I remember in a different video that you... or maybe video, maybe a talk, something you said sometime was that Swedenborg describes Catholics streaming into heaven at a rate that would make many Protestant leaders uncomfortable. <laughs> right. That's a Jonathan Rose quote. <laughs> so the point is that... that you it's true. He, he does. He has, he has uh, Catholic popes who are leading communities of heaven. And, you know, yeah, right. So it doesn't matter what external organization you belong to. Do you have Babylon inside you? You know, right. are you acting from Babylon? We're all vulnerable to it. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't be talking about it because it's not about earthly yeah. empires. Not about earthly? It's not about, yeah. That's right, man. Didn't not about, it was self-consistent. All right, great. Okay, let's see if we can take this winning streak we're on. Are we on one? Into the elevator pitch. Let's see what you guys got. Okay. Okay, so if... Uh, if you got some ideas that you think are important, you should be able to explain them in a succinct way. You should be able to convince somebody it's useful. This is not just angels dancing on the head of a pin. This is something you need to know. So let's see if we can't hone our skills. And you guys hopefully and get... If we can't, is this our judgment? <laughs> well, who cares? Let's just okay, do it. Good. And hopefully... Entertainment. This is for entertainment purposes. Only. And so, and, and maybe, maybe a little bit of practice watching us for should you ever be cornered in a situation where somebody yeah. asks you about like what's off the left eye what's Swedenborg you know? okay right. so <clears throat> uh, oh we don't know who's going to go first you no flip a coin? I mean should I do you want to flip a virtual coin I think you're going first okay man. okay Good. so let's see what our first topic is This is a show where we... Uh, a sound that strikes fear. We, we pretend that we've both stepped onto an elevator. And <laughs> in, in this first round, I will have asked Dr. Jonathan Rose a question about whatever subject you guys have put out. Oh, the spiritual sun. Oh. Oh, nice one. Okay, so Pete Dawson okay. gave us the spiritual sun. So you have one minute to con not only explain to me what the spiritual sun is, but to convince me that it's something important. Are you feeling ready? Okay. Okay, let's get our countdown. It's pretty amazing how dependent our world is on the physical sun. You know, and you're not seeing it all the time, or maybe you're even in an underground parking garage or something like that, but you're still there, you're able to run the car because the sun put that energy into the oil that's in the gas tank and all that. And uh, Swedenborg says that he was able to go to the spiritual world and he could see that there is a spiritual sun but the difference is very striking that the sun of this world is just dead fires. It's just a ball of burning gas or whatever. It's still very handy for keeping us all alive and uh, shedding all that light and amazing radiation, everything that it does. But the sun of the spiritual world is actual love. The heat from it is actual, true, infinite love. And the, and the light is actual wisdom. And I wonder sometimes what it's like to see something in the sky and to think, that is actually love itself. I think that would be pretty cool. Okay, a little, <laughs> little awkward moment in the last two seconds or so, because I can't talk to the timer dings, but that's great, man. That was awesome. So the spiritual sun, the, the, the first emanation of 
divine love and divine truth. Pretty oh, relevant. Where, where like, did you get that? <laughs> I don't know. Someone, someone said it at some point, yeah. I'm sure. That is um, just infinitely more relevant even than as the point you're making. That this, uh, the physical sun, it powers all the food you've ever mm. eaten and put mm. the, yeah, the stuff that we get electricity from and everything like that. So mm. why wouldn't you want to know, man, I'm glad I stepped on this elevator. <laughs> I'm great, so glad. Great work. Okay, so there you go. In case you need to Good explain question, this one. All right, let's flip it up. This is going to be this is going to be mine. Proprium. Okay, so Vicky Collins, uh, and let's uh, let's count it down. Do you ever feel like you're stuck in a maze, in your own mind? Do you ever feel like you can't get out of these negative cycles of competition and ego and why am I upset now and why can't I just be happy with the things I have and why can't I just be content with where my life is? I finally got the thing I wanted. Why can't I relax? Well, that's because you may have yourself appropriate gumming up everything in your mind. There is actually, what's the key to getting out of this maze? Why are there so many people trying to find happiness but they can't? Well, actually, it's because the unseen enemy inside each of us is this ego-based uh, self-dependence, this sense that I am an island and I am on my own mm. and that I'm the most important thing in the universe. That is the nature of what is our own or the proprium. And only way out of the, all that stuff I explained in the mind is to let go of this sense that it's me against the world, that I don't depend on God for anything because as soon as we do, the truth can come in. We talked in this show about the truth and how that sets you free. That's what ditching the program would do. <laughs> Good. I should have. Uh, don't it, 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 on the floor of the Senate. Can't they yield some of their time to the <laughs> yeah. gentleman too many seconds for Michigan you. or Not something? Yeah, I, I had a couple of spare seconds there that yeah. you could have used. But yeah, very good. Yeah. Man, I like the way you started with that puzzle thing. That's that's well that concept. We, we really don't we don't know what these questions are, and no. we don't rehearse. There's no way to rehearse no. this. So but that was very good. The, thank you. The proprium. That concept, you look at, I hope what I was trying to communicate there is you look at the landscape of mental experience and emotional experience and, and all the twisted webs that we get into and how would you ever figure out how to get out. Mm. It's these strange at first, but, but in the end, the only way you could get out of it is through Swedenborg explaining what the real problem is. And it's something that you wouldn't see at all. Like you don't go out in your yard and, and you just, everything looks pretty green. You don't realize where the vines are and how they're strangling. There's trees under there. You don't know it because your proprium vine is so all over everything initially. Yeah. But he gives you the tools to pick your way out of it. And that's why I'll do the Swedenborg shows until I die because he gives you the keys that, I don't, I don't find those keys anywhere else. Yeah, that's right. And proprium is a Latin word, actually, that shows up in some of the English translations. Yeah. In the New Century Edition, we use some other phrases like your sense of autonomy or self-image or things like that. But they, yeah. uh, What is your own is in some translations. Yeah, that's right. And the Latin word means belonging to yourself. You know, it's, it's your... And so it's, it's that part of you. It's your sense of ownership of yourself, which we were talking about earlier in this show. The sense yeah. of these are my thoughts. I'm in control of my mind. You know, that very thing that you were talking about earlier and it doesn't sound is the problem. And so being yeah. able to sort of hold up a light to something as deep as that, like how it's like yeah. a fish figuring out there's water all around. It doesn't sound <coughs> like it's the problem, right. but you, it's not. We try everything else. We try, okay, I'll just think positive about things. Okay, I'll just be happy with what I have. But you, until you get to these very <laughs> specific technical leverage right. points, I find that that's where the real progress is so yeah yeah that that is the that's the situation 
Thank you. Great elevator pitches, great questions. Yeah. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to think through this stuff with you. And now we want to hear uh, what you all have been thinking about because it's time to uh, do our ice melter. So at the beginning of the show, we were asking a question, and we're going to get back to it. If you're watching this after the fact, anyway, still write down your responses. We want to hear what you have to think about the question. So the question was, since I'm going to keep talking about this question, the question is, what's the question? And the question is this. <laughs> when you have felt like you were brought through a trial that, when have you felt like you were brought through a trial that ultimately freed you from a kind of mental bondage? So I, mm -hmm. I love the idea of hearing what people have to say about this. So yeah, I know, no, very interesting. Okay. It begins, I was set free from mental bondage when I could admit to myself I was gay. Mm. Jasta356, thank you. Loss of my younger brother back in June, then my mom, day after Thanksgiving, taught me to cry again. Mm. I remember being out of work for something like six months, and that brought me way back to God. I'm doing well. well that's great. Yeah, fascinating. Went to jail and mother passed away and had to completely surrender to survive that trial. That's what it took to get me fully surrender, and I've had a freedom I never had before that incident. That's really incredible. Side These effects. Are just great examples. Life-threatening illness that led to kidney transplant. The journey of overcoming the ultimate fear of death helped me live authentically and fully. Purpose in the pain. I'm with you. When I left a difficult relationship, because out of the experience, I realized I was at least 50% of the problem, and it was a nice push to growing up spiritual and such a great spiritual side effect yeah there you go and when i was 15 my older sister was murdered by her ex-boyfriend that's heavy my mom was divorced and i had to be a man at 15. such a hard time but i made it man people go yeah. through a lot of stuff well thank you for being willing to share it all yeah surviving domestic violence and sexual assault turning to the lord saved mm. me dealing with bouts of insomnia has made me overcome anxiety and fear by turning to God during long sleepless night. Yeah. You know, I have some insomnia too, so it's definitely like ah, a mm. space to turn. Surviving violence as a child. Mm. Cancer. Main lesson was to ask God for the first opinion. Ask, seek, knock, and then the hardest part, wait. Wait. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Went through a rough time, a few years at work and was gifted a change out of the blue and I've been so thankful ever since. I had been angry about everything in my life and unhappy, then industrial accident where I lost movement in my legs and was paralyzed for over a year. Wow. wow. Having to leave my first church as an adult, but finding God in the aftermath even stronger than before. And that's heavy when you, when you lose your, you know, like your religious underpinning. Yeah, moment. for sure. Uh, along with all these other uh, very striking examples. Taking care of someone 17 hours a day for two years, no breaks. Either breaks you or allows you to grow. I felt like I was being tested. Finally, brief, brief period of homelessness woke me up to the fact that my problems were surmountable and needed to be quickly. Mm. Husband of 40 years, love of my life, diagnosed with rare cancer, died 10 months later. I do believe in my grief, my husband Dean ironically brought me to Swedenborg. Mm. And then finally, mental bondage describes perfectly my state throughout 2015. I was finally freed from a career that had run its course, and the expansiveness that followed and continues still is mind-blowing. It almost makes you think that we're allowed, you know, th none of those things are things that I think the Lord w you know, I want you to have cancer, yeah. or I want you to be abused, or something, yeah. you know. Um, but 
look at all the good that the Lord brought out of this horrendous, you know, it's almost like the Lord's in charge and some good is coming yeah. out of all that. And I think all about that unbelievable suffering. I was just chatting the other day with uh, Kent Rogers, who's going to be on our program in a little interview coming cool. up. And, and he was saying, making the point that e eternity to life here, ha there's no ratio. So you think all those, right, the hard things that people were through, and Swedenborg does have this complex idea that, no, God is not causing those things, but bringing good out of them. The good those people are describing, that's going to be good forever. That's eternal. Yeah, it, it doesn't expire. So you think about That's just right. how much good the Lord is going to bring out of even these horrendous things. It's making the best of this bad situation, which is that life is messed up at this point, but still finding a way to, to balance it. And thank you, thank you everybody for being willing to share that part of life. That was a huge blessing. And Man. to me, the, 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 the reason that I like the spiritual stuff is that we can go at those kinds of things and find ways to understand them better and and get more good. A lot of people mention spiritual ideas as part of how they yeah. you know, dealt, how they recognize that's what, growth. That, that's real life. I mean, that's yeah, what happens right. to that's people, right. right? It's not what you wanted to have happen. It's not yeah. what you were planning on, but that's what happens. Thanks everyone for being willing to share that. Mm. And thank you, Dr. Jonathan Rose, for, for doing hey, the show here today. I hope you guys enjoyed our walk through Apocalypse Explained and Revealed. Join us next week. We'll be uh, doing a, a, a panel show. So we'll do an all question and answer. Nice. So hopefully you'll, you'll have a lot of fun doing that. We have, sh you don't have to wait all the way till next week, though. We have news from heaven. This is a show where I go into Swedenborg and like draw and talk and think our way through. <laughs> how does this stuff go from text to ideas to life change like we're talking about here? That's on Thursdays and Saturdays. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. That would be so great. And support us on Patreon. Because we're a nonprofit, and so True. the only way we can do stuff like this is people giving when they can. And if you go to Patreon and subscribe, we'll give you like we'll answer your questions. Karin does this cool oh, Q and A right. thing yeah. there. We'll also give you some behind the scenes stuff, and uh, it's it's a good time. Okay, so I hope you have a great week. Thank you, Curtis. Hope all you of too. you have a really great week. You've improved my week mm. to, just to start it off. What here. a blessing! And uh, we'll hopefully be seeing you like uh, really soon. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner.